0: Hey, 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 everybody, what's up? Welcome to another episode of A Pow wow with Pops coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. I appreciate you all tuning in, checking out the podcast every week. I appreciate the follows, uh, the likes. Um, most of all, I appreciate all the people I get a chance to talk to and get to share um, an artistic travel with, which is always uh, something I look for when I'm, uh, doing these interviews. Uh, so, um, today I am joined by someone I haven't seen probably since he was 16 and I think I was 15 or maybe just turning 15. Uh, I kind of, these were, uh, this is one of the guys out of two guys that, um, we had gone to a certain church and they were in a youth group and I kinda looked up to these guys. They could skateboard. Uh they were into punk music before I was. Uh they I mean everything they they surfed, they hacky sacked. You guys were you guys seemed to be pretty good at all the things you guys ever tried. Uh so I really looked up to you guys a lot. And uh musically you guys kind of turned me on, were helpful in turning me on to punk rock music, luckily at a young age and at the time that I feel that I needed it. And today I am uh, joined by Chris Lilly. How are you, Chris?
1: I'm hanging in there, dude.
0: Yes. So, but yeah. um, Man, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, This is kind of awesome. Through talks, through texts, we've kind of uh, noticed we've kind of... uh, led maybe a little bit the same lives artistically. We've gotten into music and we did all those kind of things. And I kind of just w- want to go from, um, probably when I knew you last at 16 to like, what happened after that? Like, like how'd you get into the scene? When, when did you start I, like doing things? What, what grabbed you about music and art that pulled you in so strong that it became a lifelong Odyssey.
1: Okay, so that It's funny you say 16. When I was 15, 16, I went to see my brothers in uh, Riverside, California. Okay. And I spent some time and then I wound up going back and doing a year of high school. Oh, okay. And I was like 50... I was 50 miles east of L.A. Right. Going to public high school and living on campus at a college at, at a University of California campus. Oh, wow. And there was an... There was a, a local bar club on campus called the Barn. And like social distortion would play there. D. Oh. I. would play there. Damn. Agent Orange. Yeah. And there were a group of guys that I would skate with every day on campus that were college kids. And you know, it it was really an eye opener as mm-hmm. like, whoa. So that's when I came back from California, I had kind of seen the difference. Yeah. You know and there was you know there was a skate scene there there was a music scene like kids in school weren't getting beat up for being skateboarders right. they were right like, whoa whoa
0: it was that, normal that's
1: <laughs> yeah you're like whoa you know yeah we saw Tony Hawk like literally you would hear Tony Hawk stories you would hear Alan Losey stories oh, you sick. would hear you know Billy Ruff and those dudes were like the local guys yeah that you would see so Blockhead was actually like the local company and Sam Cunningham was like a local dude that we would skate with a lot. Right on. And so I would say all those dudes were the ones that kind of, we would get in this van. They had these crazy like old school vans. and the rules living with my brothers were I had to get good grades, but I could leave on Friday and come back on Sunday.
0: Oh, that's cool. And so
1: we would go in (laughs) and we would go to Hollywood. We would go in and go to the beach and just go. Yeah. And we saw like all kinds of shows. We saw we would go up into the hills. You know, and there'd be parties with like 3 400 kids and the helicopters would come and chase everybody out. But Oh wow. You know, there was you know, Florida had it house parties and going to the beach and big crowds, but this was a whole different thing. Like Yeah. This was kids from San Diego, kid kids from everywhere, you know. We're all like in this scene. Yeah. So I think that's what I really kind of thought it was rad. Yeah. And when I came back to Florida, I was kind of bored, I guess. So I skated a lot. And then I tried to start a company. I had a company going for about a year. And Paul Schmidt made our boards. And, like, we tried. So that was, like, my first run. Right. And then Rick Lutz from Liquid Culture and I were always really good friends. Right on. So when I, when I left to go on tour with Disney... Rick made sure that I always had stuff and then we moved to Tahoe. I guess this is really where it starts. Okay. When I moved to Tahoe, I got a job at a booking agent.
0: What year was that? And the neighborhood
1: God, 94 is when we showed up in Tahoe. I toured oh, with shit. Disney, 90, like it was 91 through 93 I think I was on the road. Okay. And then 94, 95, 96, we were there for like the pilgrimage. Oh wow. There were dudes from all over the country that like moved to Tahoe because there's like this town with like skateboarders and like it didn't matter if you were a dentist, what mattered is like if you climbed rocks. Right. That shit blew my mind. Yeah. That like, like there was actually this place where like real people lived and the girls were like, the girls were hot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like there wasn't this like, there wasn't this like, it wasn't like Southern California plastic, it wasn't San Francisco fucking crazy, right? And it wasn't like. Sarasota Florida. crazy. And, you know, we were fortunate to have kind of a cool crew of kids around here, and I think it's because of Ringling, and that yeah. comes back around in the story. Yeah. But I got referred for a job at a booking agency.
2: Yeah. And
1: this guy, it was called it was called the Tahoe Agency, and he was the Scott Pump King. He had posters. Let's go bowling. Scottelite. Uh, Skank and pickle. Voodoo Glow Skulls, and of all things, Blink and Sublime were his baby bands. Oh, wow. Like, those were the two, like, new acts that he had.
0: No shit. So my
1: job there was was to stuff envelopes, take out trash, run the office, and I was the listener. And every day we would get 50 or 60 discs, or yeah, it was discs. And I would look through, and I was basically the dude that eventually if something wound up on Rick's desk, his name's Rick Bondi. Yeah. Props to Big Rick, dude. He's he's <laughs> the best. I'm still in touch with him. Awesome. And he he taught me how to hustle. Right. That motherfucker, that fucking guy ran bands. And then I learned that there was this network of people that did this. He wasn't the only one. Right. There were like 35, 40 different offices around the country. Yeah. That had like independent dudes mm-hmm. that had you know all these bands you know working for them. Yep. So. So that's the first time I ran into Blink. Damn. And then when I came back to Florida, I went through electric school and started the surf shop and started playing in bands.
0: Why do you hate? Why, why do you hate doing so much stuff? I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> no, I'm just you're, saying. Like, you're, so you're, I
1: had the surf shop. Wow. When we had the skate, when we had the skate shop. That's crazy. I, I wound up getting a job at Dust.
0: Oh, really? and
1: that was right that was right after like that was right when the canadians bought it like yeah. right after world had, like they had sold it to larry flint larry flint sold it to somebody they didn't know what the fuck they bought right. and the canadians bought it so i worked for the canadians and i worked at dust for like three four years and oh, i learned shit. about being you know the, the skateboard business yeah and with that we built up our agency and we were the first guys to do Obey. We were the first Florida Obey reps. Wow. We were, I worked with art brands. I want to say from 2000 to 2010, I was involved with apparel, surf, skate, snow apparel. And yeah. art. So, but I did Ashbury. I was with Ashbury for a while. How I sales managed at Victoria for a long time. Oh, wow. Uh, my my, Duff, my run at Duff's, was pretty long yeah i just got done with like 10 years at victoria
0: so did you, you know in all this time when you were working like what were were you playing music at the time like did you yeah. have your own? like what were you yeah. doing musically yourself like what was going on with you musically
1: in, so in 2000 when i was going when i came back and went to electric school i was like well dude i learned how to do this may as well start a band and like write 10 of the dumbest songs we can figure out and then just start doing it and start doing it. Right. So we did. So it was me and Wilbur and Jason hit and Carlo from Venice and Matt hervin was playing drums. And okay. We wound up, dude, I weaseled our way into so much shit. Like I think about how much, we played CBGBs with no knife.
0: Are you we serious?
1: Played, we, we played like, oh dude, we played like 10 different stages that Elvis played.
0: Oh Jesus. We played
1: with probably... 10 or 15 different fearless fans, 10 or 15 different hopeless fans. Jesus. Like, we literally played with like 50 or 60 nationals and went back and forth from Texas to New York three or four times. So, like. And we were just. This,
0: no, go ahead, sorry.
1: This little band. Yeah. Yeah, we were just this little band. What was the, what was that the, tried.
0: What was the band called?
1: That was 12 cents a shot. And then I moved over shot. to Weisenheimer. Okay. And we did the same thing. I we we played.
0: Yeah, you guys. So, did you guys ever end up? So, so you're touring during the two thousands ish area. Yeah. Okay.
1: Probably ninety nine to two thousand five. Probably two thousand five or
0: six. Yeah. And all that time, like when you were when you were touring, uh, like, did you get lucky enough? I mean, you said you played CBGBs with those guys, but like, were there any other? In, were there independent bands like even more independent? than, like, the well-knowners that have been around for a long time. Like, were you, did you ever get a chance to play any of the, the silly fest or anything like that? Or did you guys ever try to do that kind of shit?
1: You know, honestly, that stuff wasn't okay. So I've always been friends with Kevin because Kevin, the agency I worked at were the first people to book Warp Tour. Right. So I've known, I've known Kevin and DeVoe and all those guys, like, since that first round of working in music. Yeah. And they've always been super cool to me. Right. When I, I did rock for autism for three years and Kevin paid for me. So we were on Warp for three years with Kevin paying for me. Okay. Like Kevin's the man. So unite the United used to send me checks, you know, like, like it was right. I can't say enough about that guy. No, those Kevin Lyman has probably contributed more to our culture than more people would ever oh yeah, realize.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to know just personally, like seven or eight bands that I know that toured on that tour that ended up doing really well, you know, and are still doing tours today. And, you know, and they yeah. were, and they were on those first few warp tours, you know, like they were just small yeah. indie bands, but like, you know, like one of my friends, he plays in two pretty much indie bands and can make a living doing it just playing drums you know like and he was you know like it, it's crazy what a lot of artists you know when you stick with it and i mean you have to put time in i mean it's it's like everything else you know 10,000 hours of practice and then 10,000 10, hours of stage time when it comes to music but but it's uh it's amazing because you. Mu- I guarantee you, we know a lot of the same people <laughs> if you were on those first few warp well, tours. It's so funny because, like, we haven't spoken in so long, but it seems like we're in kind of like this weird. We know, I know, we know all the same like people. It's kind of funny.
1: But I was not on like we. The agency I worked at booked it when it was still warped. Yeah. Before Vans mm-hmm. took it over and it yep, became. Yep. yep. Uh, and then we were a little band that nobody knew. We just worked, and to yeah. be honest, we weren't any good. Which is, I mean, <laughs> when I look back on it, no, honestly,
0: you don't and even it, you don't like you know, it. Like a, you don't like it now more than you did then.
1: Sure, it's nostalgic, and it right. taught me a lot. Right. But about a year ago, we locked ourselves into a warehouse and figured out how do we do something differently. Okay. And when I when I look at the bands that have been successful and guys that I've learned from. Right. You know they had an art director, right. and they actually rehearsed, yep. and they actually tried. You know, yeah. like they really got in and like tried to work. And you hear the word "work" a lot more than you hear the word "play." Oh,
2: so truly. We've
1: tried to attribute, you know. So with like my new project, two of my favorite records are the Snapcase records, Wagwagon and Snapcase. Oh yeah. And it turns out that Limbert, Limbert, who did the Snapcase records, yeah, are, is from Sarasota. Yep. So I reached out to Limbert. Mr. Dude, I've got Limbert on is my art director. Yeah. Yeah. So Limbert is the art director for my new project. Yeah. How fucking lucky am I? Limbert like Lim- that dude's legit as fuck.
0: Limbert Limbert's fucking oh. cool as shit. I don't know if you ever heard of his old band Vent. Do you remember that band? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fucking so awesome. Like at the time, yeah, yeah like those them, him and Scott Sinclair and uh god, what was the guitarist's name? Joe I can't remember, but yeah, Scott Sinclair, who's the, who did all the artwork pretty much for all the Hot Water Music albums and a bunch of other yeah. ones. And yeah, all the Ringling guys were fucking amazing one artist. And I was always so jealous because they were good at two things, you know, <laughs> like playing good music and making good art, you know, like they, they had well very good abilities.
1: That's Scott. Yeah. You know, that's Scott. And we're doing, we're, I'm... Standing back from my project enough to like I'm like dude do what you do yeah like like and he's doing a fucking phenomenal job like we're so hyped with the stuff he sends back it's like wow
2: yeah
1: okay so we would have taken us fucking 10 years to come <laughs> up with something like <laughs> right. like literally man like yeah. when you get somebody that's like fuck so so we're taking more of that approach Yeah. and then and we're instead of making a record we're kind of i shouldn't say too much but we're basically shooting a pilot for a tv show slash i got you
0: i got you you don't have to say anymore that will i got you
1: well it's a (laughs) but what it is is what we've been doing is i've been talking to managers i've been talking to guys that run the festivals i've been talking to guys in the business that are losing their app and there really is a change going on in the music business and everyone's going to catch up well, there's, like, Flavor of the Week shit. Like, yeah. everybody tried to do the live stream stuff, and we've tried doing the webcast, and everybody did the split screen shit. And yeah. Like, yeah, it's rad. Everybody's trying. you got to come up with your own...
0: Has, you have to come up with your own style as a band and do your own thing. Well... You know, like...
1: Well, okay, so... YouTube has become the proverbial sea of shit. Yeah. So, like, so, yeah, you can release your own stuff, but good luck with anybody finding it. Yeah, no shit. Then, sure. you can... You know, any, it's like a shop that thinks they're going to get a Volcom account and people will just instantly come and buy everything. Or just because I have a radio show, that means I get a million listeners, right? Right. No, you have to work at it. Yep. You have to do your job. So it becomes how do you build a platform like almost like a label. It's not a label. It's a way for people to release with viewership. Right. And that's really all I should say. I got instead you. of looking for listenership you're really you got to really look at who the main the mainstream market these days are 40 somethings yeah and they grew up on smashing pumpkins and a lot of them even saw the black flag t-shirts around yeah it's right. shit's not shocking to them you know? yeah and you, you've got a whole generation of guys like us that are nostalgic for the yeah. for late 90s and the 2000s and because it was a great era of music
0: Listen to all so, my listen to all my interviews. <laughs> Very nostalgic. <laughs> yeah,
1: dude. Yeah. Dude, and you and
0: you had Ian on the show, dude. How yeah. sick is that? It like, was I was you know? blown the fuck away. Like I it took me four years to get it. I mean, you know, I'm I've this like like I've been doing this podcast six years now and you know, like there were yeah, I had a list of people in the beginning that I said that like no matter what I'm gonna get this person on my show and you know you send enough emails to somebody and then you interview people that they know and they end up seeing that. so it kind of I think that kind of helped out a lot, but it was I was I was totally blown away. He's way more well read than I am uh, <laughs> he uh it kind of you know I learned a lot it was it was probably. Most of, most of my buds around here were kind of surprised that uh, he sounded as much just like a dude, you know. And I guess people build up this idea of what the media builds up of these punk rock people. You know, these people have been around long enough to have said, like, I've lived here. Like, these guys, like Ian or, or Henry, they have lived in D.C. And they were there in the 80s when it was shitty. And they weren't rich kids. You know, they were just punk kids. They were protesting. You know, they they were they they lived, they they walked the walk and talked the talk.
1: I don't know. See, i I guess I've just never been that much of a punk fan. Yeah. As crazy as that, like I just the I guess I got into it when skate rock was happening. Right. And really, that's even when people ask me, like, "Were well, you fucking grown ups fucking punker i'm like Cause i don't have piercings things and shit on my knuckles and neck
0: right i oh, have some
1: stupid fucking haircut yeah i got no look like if you can get like the reality of it is if you build a ramp in your yard you have to learn to ride it mm-hmm. and you know i learned the absolute hard way that yeah. if you're gonna have a band you better learn to play your instrument yep you know and i was not i was not a good guitar i mean i i'm arguably if you were to put the five hundred guys on tour <laughs> right. for those years, I probably was like number four hundred and sixty.
2: <laughs> oh, maybe four fifty.
1: <laughs> but I definitely was not changing the game. Right. I was funny. We had a great time doing it. Yeah. But I just never took my playing seriously. I took running my band. Ah uh, right. I was real interested in running my band. Right. So then after taking those beatings, I went back and learned to play my guitar. <laughs>
2: right.
1: And I don't I still don't play it all that well. Right. But I have the thing that I do and I've kind of learned that if you can just do something that's unique, that's good enough. Like yeah. do your thing. Yes. I don't. I don't have to do what these other dudes do.
0: No. So each, each individual has their own style and how they play. Like no matter what, because yeah. I, I I I bought a. This is how I started playing music. I had two. I had a roommate that had a guitar. He always played guitar and was always super stoned. And then a friend of ours from Sarasota moved up. He was eighteen. It was actually a friend of his, and he was a drummer. And he went to Riverview. He, like, was on the road team. He was Mr. Riverview, you know, all this kind of stuff. He comes up here. We start a band. We end up playing music together for nearly 14 years, you know. And I didn't even know how to play bass. I stopped by Thoroughbred on the way back up from Sarasota, and I had $224 in my wallet, and I told the guy that's all I had, and he sold me the Fender bass. Like, and then I went up to, and I oh. came back up to Gainesville, and then these two idiots, these wonderful idiots, sat there and watched me play horrible bass for about five years. So I, I understand the, the the the, the uh, effort and the time, and but like I was always, I was never, I was, I don't know. I think at the time I was drinking too much to give a shit about not what like running bands or doing stuff like that. I think all of us just weren't in our best places, probably. And, like, that's probably why things, we never really, we never went on tour. Like, we always planned it, but it never happened. So, it was like, we were yeah, in Yeah, my
1: guy I always was booking shit for us to do, and they hated me for it. Yeah. We came back from Texas. And I had a plan to go back out to California, and they were like, you're fired. Oh, jeez. I'm like, what do you mean I'm fired? It's my fucking band. Call called what you want, dude. We're not playing with you next year.
0: Oh, man.
1: We'll find another guitar. Like, like, dude, we're not going to California in three weeks. I'm like, why not? What do you mean, dude? It's all set up. Like, we're going, dude. And we actually had some good support stuff
2: set oh, up. Oh, shit.
1: And I think, like, there were a couple – at like, Newfound Glory went for it.
2: Oh, wow. You know, okay. they were
1: – they were an act that we opened up for a few times and you know, but they were way better. Yeah. I mean, you could tell the difference from like, they're a really, they were a step ahead of us, but you see it when you see it in front of you, you're like, okay,
0: did you guys so ever,
1: it's not that they have better, it, it's not that they have better gear. Like we have the van, yeah. we have the trailer, we have the gear. We're just not polished. Like yeah. we're not thinking about it.
0: So did you guys and ever so... play with like AFI or any of those bands?
1: No, like I guess if you trying to think how big you want to think big
0: is yeah yeah Um, just in i'm just thinking about in the not in the all right so i'm thinking
1: bouncing souls okay um unwritten law 88 fingers louis that's my
0: friend plays drums for Um, now is the bouncing souls
1: so you know george
0: oh yeah he was the best man at my wedding
1: okay george roberto is uh he's probably the best ian and george were good friends so i was really good friends with ian
2: Oh town. shit
1: Ian went to Tahoe with
2: us
1: Yeah So Ian was my drummer For a long time And then mm-hmm. moved He was You know he was on tour as well Yeah You know he was working For the guys show Yeah And then he moved out To Tahoe with me And then we went To San Diego together No shit And then we both Came home together That's yeah. crazy Yeah Ian and I Are the best of
0: friends Yeah
1: So George Yep George is the man dude Yeah So
0: Wow You know Small world I can't believe yeah. We never ran so, into each other Through all this time It's really odd
1: <laughs> sure we did man you know yeah but like like chuck was always a good influence on me like oh yeah chuck and i would i would, i would skate with chuck and i remember when they were starting they had the practice space right next to ringling school that's right right behind the Froggy restaurant yep yep and i remember he was playing the he was playing the tool record for me and he was like dude i'm gonna start a fucking band like they were already practicing and doing shit mm-hmm. but he was like really serious and he was like i'm gonna start a fucking band that does, that like does something rad i remember sitting in that dark ass room yep. and having him tell me that and i was like you know chuck is a ripping fucking skateboarder yes he if, is. i think if he wouldn't have become a professional musician he would have become a professional skateboarder like he, that was his
0: track. It was it, crazy because we are because we all lived together and we had a r- steel ramp in the backyard <laughs> and we up here in Gainesville, and like they'd have skate sessions seriously seven nights a week. Like it that was it was sick. I mean, we're talking like Monty Monty Nolder would skate it. Like yeah. it was no, dude, so, It, it like, was ridiculous. It was like it was like yeah. It was. All the sick skaters in this town. Even I mean, we we even have. There's a half pipe at the Hardback right now that like all the old like the 50 plus dudes go skate like every Friday night, and they call it the Shred Sesh. So, it's like, it's fucking yeah. Those dudes. Chuck Chuck got along so well with skateboarders, man. Like, like yeah. He's he's just a he's he's a dudes dude. Like he's just like. He's just, re- he's just a real compassionate, empathetic yeah, human being, you know, who who's it's like,
1: funny.
0: like, yeah, he's a fucking awesome guy.
1: He lives up, I'm pretty sure he lives up in Grass Valley, which is where Cardiel lives. Yep, yep. It's like they have this it, it's fucking Chuck Reagan and Cardiel living on the same, I don't know that they live on the same street, but <laughs> right. how fucking crazy is that for those two dudes to be neighbors?
0: I know, right? You
1: know? <laughs> so... So I guess, and then beyond that, I I have this. I worked in the surf industry for a long time, yeah, and played in bands. And now we're we had a little studio, and we've taken on this two thousand square foot, plush as fuck, commercial space.
0: What part of We're literally in there.
1: Uh, The new studio is like right in the center of town, like in a strip mall. No shit. Like it's in like a brand new strip mall brand new polished oh, wow. concrete floors wood walls we've Damn. got a control room and isolates too it's it's pretty nice so we're in there five six nights a week just working yeah. trying to figure you know, we've already figured out the format we've uh, my friend Giza is going to come on as our film guy Limbert's our art director and we're building cool and we have this idea and instead of just having the idea we're like put a couple of bucks into it yeah and you know, like we went and we wanted, we knew we couldn't mix and engineer our own stuff. So years and years ago, uh, Dan from Eighty Eight Fingers, Louie, and Rise Again, yeah. used to answer amp questions. I had all these amps, and I would, I would email him and be like, "Dude, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Will you tell me how to run my amps?" And he would answer me. So then I remembered that he had a studio going, and so I emailed him like, "Dan, dude, well, we're doing this project. Do you want to be our engineer?" He's like, "Fuck yeah, I'll do it. Sure." No worries. And he's affordable. Jesus Christ. So I've got Dan from Rise Against as our engineer and Limbert from Snapcase doing our art. So I feel like I'm, like, when you talk about, like, the difference between, I feel like I'm giving my project a chance to succeed. So now if our record sucks, it sucks. You know, <laughs> if, like, the music sucks, it sucks. You know, but at least we tried. No, you know, no. it wasn't
2: <laughs> Come just,
1: on. because we just. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't because we just blew it, like totally just blew it. Like we just didn't try. Well,
0: see, you know what's awesome you know? though is that being now now that we're older, and we're we're still no matter, like no we're still taking the chances to do new things and come up with new ideas, and they are things that we learned, I guess, you know from. Coming up around music and, and being into it the way that, that we are, you know, you have to come up with a way to grab people's attention to, to make sure they remember you, uh, make sure that you know you you have that that something about you that, like you said, you know, really kind of separates you from everyone else, you know. And if you're if if you do something before somebody else does, yeah, it's, you know, that's that's where a lot of people tend to follow. So, you know, well, co- copyright that shit. Popularity. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> popularity, is
1: determined, popularity is determined by how many people are jocking your style.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, it's very true.
1: That's an old one.
0: Yeah, no, it's totally true. I
1: try not, I try not to listen to the people around me, which yeah. is really harsh to say. But, no, like, no, I try no. to look to the dudes who I've seen that have success and be like, well, guys, how much fucking success have you had doing this? And they look at me and go, I'm like, yeah, dude, like, yeah, you're a really good musician, but you're not good at this. Like, or I'm not the best at this, but I am good at this. Right. So we've all like, like kind of, whether we like it or not, have taken on different roles in this project. And it, it really is helpful. And then we're listening to people outside of our circle What fucking good does it mean to go and hire some creative director from little Sarasota, Florida, that in general designs houses?
2: Right.
1: Or like, I've done, I've done commercials for a pizza shop. (laughs) What the fuck, man? You know, like, seriously, (laughs) you know, like the dude, the creative director, the art director at Duff's when I worked there, his name's Russ Pope. He's the guy that originally started Creature Skateboards. Okay. And, but Russ is the art, Russ is the art director at Vance. Oh shit. Like Russ is a, Russ is a smart fucking guy, so like I look to dudes like him. You know he's best friends with Blender, Neil yeah. Blender, pro skateboarder, part uh, oh, yeah. fucking. So like, I, those are the dudes I look to, man. Yeah. Like Chris Markovich is living up in Tampa. Oh, I watch his skate parts every day. Yeah. You know he did a paint. He did a painting for my kid. I'm Chris good, is a uh, fucking great
0: guy. I've been lucky enough to be been, uh, been lucky enough to been friends with the team Pain guys, the ramp builders for all the the pro skate stuff so yeah i actually i played in a a really really uh i played in a punk band with one of the head dudes dave ellis uh we were called the worst and uh and it was uh like 70s straight up like skate punk shit it's fucking it was probably one of my favorite bands i was ever in it was one of the only bands i was ever asked to be in actually um (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was it was. Tim
1: from Team.
0: Yeah, it was fucking killer, man. Tim Payne, like
1: Team Payne, Tim Payne, his brother's guitar player for Andrew WK. Yep. Or he was. Yeah, yeah. So and now
0: he plays for Obituary.
1: Does he do that now? I think
0: so because I interviewed him. Yes. Okay. I I interviewed. I believe I believe it's because he said he played guitar for Andrew WK and now he plays for Obituary. I don't know if it's the same guitarist. It might be. I'd have to look back at the interview, but I think believe his name was Tim. That'd be kind of funny. Uh, uh, uh,
1: yeah. Tim is Tim Payne. That's the guy who started Team Payne. I'm actually yeah. pretty good friends with him. Like, after years and years and years years of going to Surf Expo, so, yeah, and us having booths next to each other, you get to know each other. Oh, I'm sure. And so it's his brother. His brother's name's Chris, I think. Yeah, and he played in NWK for a long time. That's but that was part of how they had their tie to the, to the skate industry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, those guys did killer shit, man. Like, it's like this thing, man. It's like there's this. The main thing about the podcast is like probably more the idea of like the the human artistry because like there's so many types of art. Like I consider skateboarding art. I consider ramp building art. I consider playing a guitar art. I consider uh, like what you guys are doing, working on an idea, coming up with a collaboration. That's art. Uh, Writing a a musical note. That's art. Uh, These, all these things are so very important in the world and, and that most people sometimes don't catch it. And, and that, that they're, you know their everyday life. There's so much art going on around them that they don't realize, and uh, that's why I do the show. And and because I'm trying to get you know all types of people on this show. Like I've had a poet on here. I've had I've had different types of artists on here, and now I have someone who's you know you you've mentioned you've mentioned the things you've done. You're you're creating something right now that's probably you know going to be way different than anybody's expecting, which is, I'm kind of really curious to see it. And, uh, and, and it's, uh, it's good to see that, that people are still doing stuff. What is it that still drives you to do it?
1: You know, that's funny because it doesn't, you know, I guess there is, okay, so I guess I have to be absolutely selfish in the answer of that is I've got a great business that makes me money and I have investments that are going to pay off. So the reality of it is, is, I'm not looking at it to cash out. I'm, I guess it's just to contribute still. And I, anytime I see, a, I don't know, dude. I just sometimes I've, I've, I have seen these couple things in these industries. And I, that's one thing that Bondi taught me was that you know it when you see it, dude. When you see an act, you like you'll fucking know it when you see it. Right. There was a manager named there was a manager named Blaze James and he was doing TSOl and, and he found he's the guy that found out the drive mm. and then he picked up dynamite he picked up dynamite boy yep. and we've played with dynamite boy five six times over oh, the wow. years. and they're like they're like and nobody knows who dynamite boy is but yeah. they're like one of the best fucking bands ever no they're ever. a good band like, to play live with them they're good band they're so good yeah and you're just like a good agent or a good manager like when you see an act that's good you know so i like right. when you i learned the hard way like i got offered i got offered a road manager job oh, shit. i got offered a management job <laughs> for plain white tea and i couldn't stand the music so i didn't go right but they went I don't blame you. For, hey they're delilah <laughs> i mean like 700 days later they had a platinum record and yeah. i was like my friends still laugh at me about it they're like yeah good move dude hey you know
0: it's and, it's where your heart was carrying you that's where that's what you got to follow yeah. you got to if you're an artist, you have so, always have to follow your heart first.
1: It, I guess, it's <laughs> rad when you see people get a hold of the golden ring, and I'm always happy for them. Right. So it, so I guess I just want to stay on that ball field. I don't necessarily have to get a hold of the ring. Right. I just I think I once I figured out that I didn't want to stand in the crowd that I wanted to be on the stage. It wasn't about being on the stage. It's like, well, dude, I'd rather do this than watch it.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I could do this. And then, wow, This is rad. People come see us. We get to sell some shit. We travel around. Yeah. You know, it was. My dad was a professional athlete, so it actually made sense to him. He was like, "Yeah." When we were traveling around in the old days, it was just me and my boys on the buses. We'd go town to town. It was great. We saw yeah. the world. And you know, like it was. I got to too, We got to travel all over. Yeah. In vans with our friends, having fun for weeks at a time. Which like was awesome. sometimes months. Yep yeah dude it had, and that I'm, actually comes I back to the format so of our show is
0: <laughs> I miss touring so bad well, <laughs> I really here do.
1: is the question here is the question <laughs> that this really is relevant yeah the question that our show asks is how did the bands do this how the fuck did these guys do this yeah because this is so much bigger than us yeah So I've already enlisted some other dudes.
2: That's cool.
1: I can can tell you, the the two dudes that are in, the two bands that are in the first episode with us are Craig's brother, the old Tooth and Nail band. Oh, shit. Ted and I talk a couple times a week now. And 10 times a day. Okay. Nick from 10 times a day. We became very close with them over the years. Nick and I are still good friends. And, you know, Nick made the cover of a Warp Tour video one year. And they they were another band that, like, just, dude, they, like, just never made it. Yeah. They were right there like a bunch of times. Yep. And like it just never happened for him. Yeah. I think Roger's worked Roger came back to Florida and went to full sale and hated it but went back to California. I think he's Pennywise's guitar tech. He oh, was shit. for a while. I don't know if he still is. Damn. But oh yeah, Roger's like guitar tech to the stars. Jeez. So like there's you find that there's all and that's more of like this you can would you really start to look back at the tour histories of just take 150 of us yeah. and then lay strings on a map and see how many times we intertwined oh, and shit. then looked at all the fucked up shit that happened in the country, <laughs> yeah. like really illegal fucked up shit yeah. that happened. And you can pinpoint that Jake Hogar was within 500 feet. <laughs> I can get you within five, I can get you within five miles of, of some dude. And that's, so that's kind of what that's kind of the gist, <laughs> without saying too much. So You're but we have but we've been literally are spending hours researching real history. Right. So we're just, the best we've been able to find it is we're doing historical historical fiction paralleling true life crime.
0: That sounds cool. And true life care. Yeah.
1: So so we go, you know <laughs>
0: 50 and
1: miles. bands that we ran into over the years and bands <laughs> I worked with and the companies I worked with. It's amazing this fucking network of people. Yeah. And if you look at the not only the bands, but the booking agents and the managers. Yeah. And then if you were to take the surf and skate industry, yep. and you go between the the shop owners, yep. to the reps, yep. to the company owners,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: all the reps have these street teams of like really legit shit. If you're a team rider for, for Hurley, yep. like you're a pretty legit kid, kind of yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, right. So there's this network of like all like it's not yeah it is these are the coolest kids in the area everywhere you go right like if a kid is really if a kid is really on the books at Volcom he's the coolest kid in town at this point Right. so this really was like the coolest group of kids this network of people in everywhere america yeah. and so the general rule i mean if you want to get back to like marketing strategy and, yeah. and action sports it's you market to the core and the mainstream follows. Yeah. And it really is up, up to and it. God, It sounds so fucking arrogant, but it's like it's kind of up to us to show them what's up. And I learned that as, right. a, as a rep, you're going in and explaining to these people like people will say something like, who's the best skateboarder? And you're like, well, fuck, I mean, I guess Danny Way. And then yeah. Rodney and Daywan, they're like, who's Danny Way? They're like, dude, you own a skateboarding shop. You own a skate shop, and you're trying to buy shoes for me. Like, right. like, Like, how do you own a skateboard shop and not know this? Right. So these were – we became – and sales managers would tell us this. They're like, look, it's your job to teach these people to be cool. These people are fucking kooks, and you have to go in there and explain what cool is to them. Right. And you're like, gee, thanks. Yeah. So literally after a 1,000 times of going through – you know, showing the lines, explaining deal, educating new people to our culture, you know you fucking kinda get to know it inside now. Right. And and then you see the dudes that really have shit going on. Yeah. You're like, dude, I'm the little dude. Here. Yeah. You know? So back to those are the dudes I kinda look up to. Yeah. The art directors, yeah, the Joel Carriers, the do, do, why did Alexis on fire.
0: Why didn't you why didn't you go to school for art like that kind of why didn't you go to school for that? Because you seem, I mean, back then when we were younger, you you seemed intelligent to me. I never, I, I mean, I grew up like pretty, eh, I'm not going to like downgrade, but uh, you know, like you always seemed well read. Um, you seemed very intelligent you you've 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 to have had this ability to do all these things. Why didn't you go to school for like art direction or anything else like that? Did, or did you?
1: I don't I don't think any of that matters, dude. Like from what I found, what I found is that even okay, I'm not a painter and right. I'm not a sculptor. So right. I guess back in those days, now you could go to school to be. At one point, I really thought about going back to school for law to be an entertainment lawyer oh, wow. because I had seen that side of the business. And I was like, well, you know, when you're a manager that has a law degree, you can pick up bigger acts and, yep. you know, you really know what the fuck's going on and like people don't hassle you as much. And, you know, so I do, I'm a time. You kid gone horribly wrong. I guess I just, once I figure something out, I get bored with it and moved on to something else. And right. that's really where this, uh, persistence to stay focused on something now, right? With the same, like, like literally, like, 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 we haven't shown anybody anything. Like, we haven't, like, we're literally, like, have kept our hat on something for going on like 500 days.
0: That's that's now, that's be, crazy. It, <laughs> yeah, that's a long so, time,
1: and it's not like we just, yeah, it's not like we just made a T-shirt or something. Like, right. we're ac- actually trying to do something, and mm. so. It's balancing that with running a company and being a single dad, and you know my kid is fucking autistic as fuck. I don't know if you know that. No, I mean, my son does not talk. Really? Yeah, Kaz Kaz's ber- his birthday's one, two, three, four, and he was diagnosed at four as nonverbal, and he's rad. He plays drums. He likes his. He, but Kaz will need care for the rest of his life, and I'm a single dad doing it. Yeah. So that's why that's when we did Rock for Autism. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. My life came to a fucking crush. Yeah. So I called Kevin, and I'm like, like, like Kevin. I'm like, Kevin, dude. I'm fucked. I need a job. Get me some fucking slick job where I can stay home, and take care of my kid. He's like, I'll give you a job, but you got to come to California. I'm like, I can't go to California. He's like, Well, I can't give you a job. Figure <laughs> something out. Like, I'll, I'll you. There's a job at Four Feeny. Anytime you want one, just you got to move to fucking California. That's the way it is. I don't let anybody work remote. That's not how this fucking works. Yeah. But I will hook you up with my partner, Matt Malice, who was the bass player in the Toasters. And Matt's son is horribly autistic. Wow. And so they helped me put together a program called Rock for Autism that went out on Warp for three years. We had a booth in the not-for-profit section. And we basically just talked to young parents about, like, talked about McKay scholarships and right. don't take shit from people. And, yeah. you know, hey, you know, at least, like, at least you're hearing this from somebody you might trust. Like, we're just a bunch of skateboarders and rockers. Like, right. I'm not here to get your money. Like, I, I have nothing invested in... I'm not trying to get you to fill anything out like we just were a cause and I literally went out and sold $5 t-shirts and stickers for three years on tour to fund being on tour to look for answers as to why my fucking kid won't talk
2: right
1: so we did we did that for three years and I don't know dude like wild stuff yeah so I just kept interacting with the music business. Yeah. And I worked at Macbeth's for a while and Tom from Blink owns Macbeth. Tom.
2: Yeah.
1: Mike from Green Day and Dave, and Davey from AFI. So I was interacting with Blink again. We went and did shows and then I, I managed, I, I worked at Wrong for a while which was DeVo's surf brand. Okay. And so once again, I'm interacting with Blink and back in that camp again and I, I just keep running into these dudes over the years. Right. Like, I worked for the Fletcher. I worked at Astor for like five years. Wow. So I worked for the Fletchers. That fucking family's crazy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Herbie Herbie's out of his fucking mind, but he's rad. I love Herbie. I love Herbie.
2: Right.
1: Dibby is fucking Dibby is fucking nut. Um, Grayson's demanding. Christian's fucking Christian. Like, I, dude, they're just. Right. I never. I, I, I when I work, I, I used to have to go take trips between Asterdeck and Victoria, and I got stuck with Beaker for a week, Bill (laughs) Bryan, if you don't know who that is, look him the fuck up. Jesus Christ. So, imagine, I don't even know, look it up. Fuck. But that whole crew, that camp, Jesus, mouse, dude. (laughs) Crazy. So, I've gotten to work. I worked at Sessions for a while. That's a rad brand. I kind of like, would like to go back there. Right. You know? So they they were like the original surfs skate, snow brand. Right. They put out a faction record. Caballero has been on the team since cab's been on the team since like day one, you know, sessions is legit. Damn. You know? And so I think that's kind of like our model for like what we're trying to bring back is this whole like surf, skate, snow, knuckle dragger kind of tough guy. You're not into all this fucking wimpy shit, dude. When I like, when you're looking at like, at least we're going to encourage people to try yeah. Like, turn in a real video part. Go fucking make a record. Yeah. You know, like... You're right. Like, try.
0: Do something. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have... You don't have to be the best, man. And that's the great thing about skateboarding and this culture is that none of us care if you are the best. That's right. All, and dude, if you, fall, if you fall down, we help you get up. Yep. This is not a predatory culture where it's win, crush, kill. Yeah. This is like cheer for your friends. Like, yeah. we're all broke.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: You don't get you don't you don't get mad at your friends for getting signed or like nope. for winning something. No. Or making some money. Nope. I'm like, fuck you, man. That should have been me. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. I think you know, I think that's what's always kept me away from like a real financial job. Or yeah. I just am not a predator that way, dude. I just can't do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Every banker is a fucker, man. They create no value.
0: No, they, they cre- really do not. They, I mean, c- they create value for just- the board. <laughs> That's it. There's,
1: You know, like I own an electric company, as crazy as that is, but like when we go work and I charge them, I'm producing something. I just bought Even a new a nerd, house that needs
0: electric you. work.
1: You're too far away. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Good answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, like a dentist, when you go see your dentist, you're yeah. so hyped. You're like, thank thank you, dude. Like, yeah. a person that has mouth problems is – but you're not hyped to go fucking talk to your insurance guy. Of course there's not. No, they don't – there's no real value in no. what they add to the world. No. And if that – and, and this is where, like, I hope this whole fucking – I've always wanted this system to fall in.
0: Right.
1: You know? And that's kind of what I was telling you before. Like, this is a, a really fucked up time we live in. Yes, it is, and I don't. I'm not being conspiracy like. All I'm telling you is that – I don't want to call it power, dude. It's shit's been run by some people that are fucking heavy for a long time. Oh yeah, and I, I mean, can, like, if you want to, you know,
0: I would. I would say that the U.S. was pre-planned. I mean, most definitely, they had an idea of what they were doing when they set up the system the way that they did here in America. The British, that is, and to know that a large majority. Of the people that run the world, that own most of the money, are just five certain banks, and there are certain yeah. family names that were once pirates, and they had to change their names I was, after being pirates. I was
1: getting a little. <laughs> I was getting more specific, and recently, our 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 last president is a made guy, yep. and you cannot call a made guy's wife a whore and children faggots. no, nope. and lip, no, you that can't. is in the code. You are not allowed to do that, and. You have to understand, this is an old guard. Yep. My dad was one of the guys that built – my dad was one of the developers at the NFL Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. So I'm from Canton, and so I grew up around, I grew up around that. Yeah. And I, I've, I can tell you that guys like that have money, and they're power-driven, and the only thing that matters is the word and what people think of them. Right. And this is why every time I would see on the news or in the shit, anybody slandering this dude and his fuck, they can go after him, but the people that went after his fucking wife and kids, yeah, there's going to be fucking people. Dude, next year there is going to be a wave of people. That's my call. I don't know this for a fact. I'm saying that dudes like that do not let that shit fly. No,
0: they don't. You know, I mean, it's... They do
1: not. They It's, not. An, it's amazing.
0: It's, it's amazing that he was able to uh have the ability to I guess it wouldn't be to say that because you know he was on TV uh he's always been on TV he knows how to work the 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 media and uh and he knows how to talk to people to get the right response that he's wanting without really saying what he needs to say I guess you would say you if, know, like with if you some...
1: want to look at the whole thing from a punk perspective, that guy does not give a shit. No, he doesn't. And he got it to be the president, yeah, dude, and I, I, dude. That and if I'm just saying, this is a true outsider yeah. that got in. He's not our kind of outsider exactly. No. But I'll tell you what, dude. In all honesty, I have far more respect for the criminals than I do for the. That was something my dad taught me. At least a criminal puts a gun on you or tells you they're ripping you off. Yes, they do. Politicians and all that. At least it's the guys that hide behind a piece of paper and fuck you royally and then go for 3% on the dollar. Yeah. Bankruptcy. Yeah, So yeah. sorry. Yeah. No, at least somebody that puts a gun on you, you can have some self-respect when you look in the mirror and, and look at your honest. wife and be like. <laughs> "It's very, Yeah,
0: at, yeah.
1: Least. <laughs> at least it's, it's – it's far more honest. Yes. Than the alternative. Oh, for sure. And so, so that is where I've always felt: never believe anything they tell you, because oh, of course, we've known yeah. for a long time we're all full of shit. Yeah. And we're better off on the outside. Yeah. But if totally. they break the inside, if they if they break the inside, we don't have anywhere to go to get food and supplies. Nope. And it's, think of it like from a survivalist point of view. Right. You live on the outside, and you go in. To kind of get your shit together and then you go back to your little yes. perch in the trees where you can see what's going on and I think that's what the indie culture has always done but well, we need a yeah. printing like honestly yeah. we need power for a printing press Yeah, we very need we, we needed a place to buy t-shirts we needed a place to press our records we yeah. needed a place to buy gas for our van yep. we needed like so we couldn't live completely outside of the system Nope. you know eventually you kind of grow up
0: and you pay like, taxes so you're I, I, always part of the system anyways. Well, I mean, you're part yeah. of the system as soon as they give you a social <laughs> security number. I mean, honestly. Dude, we laugh
1: every day. <laughs> we are the professionals that you call. Yeah. That's a funny one. We're yeah. the professionals that they call.
0: Yeah. It's it's like it's, we, ama- it's a it's amazing to think that like I mean, I've always you know, I mean, I think politically unfortunately I've had, you know, so many bad discussions with people, but I didn't mean to, but I just, because I don't, the way I was raised, I was always raised to question things, you know, even, even if my parents believe in a certain political system now, but at one point when they were younger, and when my grandfather was younger, you know, they'd be like, you always question authority some way. You always question what someone in power is doing. You always try to pay attention to why they're doing it. And you always try to see how bad it's going to affect you in the long run. You know, those are things that they probably don't remember saying to me, but those are things that stuck with me. So I've always been that way with politics. And I've always I mean, ever since I first started voting when I was in high school, when I turned 18, like I knew I didn't have a choice who the fuck I wanted to vote for because there, there is the electoral college, you know, so I was screwed there. So I couldn't vote any way that I, I wanted. Wrote in, you know, like. The, so, first, the
1: first, like, the first 10 years I voted or whatever, I wrote in Schaefer. I always wrote in <laughs> Schaefer. Like Brian Schaefer from Skate Park of Tampa. Uh-huh. I would always write in Schaefer. And oh, Clemens. yeah. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. I would always be
1: like, vote Schaefer. Schaefer yes. for president. Yes. Well, dude, he's the most benevolent motherfucker out there. If you were going to. Straight up. I wanted to vote for a president, let's let Schaefer do it.
0: <laughs> he'll He'll put some shit together.
1: <laughs> dude sure. Schaefer's a man yeah so you know I, I still i still hit up Schaefer once in a while and see what yeah. he's up to like he's he's another dude that like i remember when when skate park started when it was still world market world market yeah, it was world market yep they had the boxing ring and the vert ramp Fraser was living there zither was living there Jeez. and dude if you got caught this was the best Anybody that got caught stealing or fucking around had to get in the ring with Schaefer. Oh, shit. And that only happened a couple of times. Damn. So they didn't call the cops. You got held. And then you would have to get in the ring with Schaefer and fucking get your ass beat, which you did not want to have happen. Jeez. Dude, vert skaters are gnarly like that. Well, what's, they get what? knocked out three, four times what's, a week. Like, they're yeah. not scared of you no. hitting them. No, then they're the, not. <laughs> you got vert skaters with CTE a fucking boxing is ring at the hobby. For
2: them. <laughs>
1: Dude. So, you just picked the wrong bunch of dudes to try and lift a pair of shoes from.
2: No shit. And,
1: but I'm back too. you know, I always, that's kind of how my dad was. Like, it was this kind of like, look, you'll learn one way or the other. Like, yep. when I was living up in, like, I was living out in the Pine Barrens at one of my brother's houses. And I was just up there. I lived in Jersey for five years, not too long ago. Running okay. my, my family has a bus business that services New York City, and we run ski trips all winter. We've been doing it for 25 years. I've run hundreds of ski trips. What? Like I I've, I've run so many fucking ski trips it's unbelievable. So um I don't know.
0: You I guess you I you the it's I'm just laughing because it you And I mean this and I want you to truly listen to what I'm saying is that the way that you're talking, the things that you've accomplished, uh, the things that you've unfortunately had to go through, and the things that have been put be before you that are very difficult for a parent to deal with. Uh, everything that you've said up to this point, I'm flabbergasted and amazed with the um, with the the heart and the drive. And just the comfort, all in the same time that you are able to um, uh, share everything with me that you're sharing. I just, I just wanted to stop and tell you that because it's, it's, it, it kind of, I'm, you know, I'm 49. Um, I got divorced last year. Uh, luckily, I found someone new. Um, things are happening for us. I wish I was in a better place myself, but I I think I didn't think ahead the correct way that I was. I We never had children, so there was never that drive in the first place to kind of become super responsible or become an adult. And uh, Gainesville also makes it easy to not really grow up. So I just wanted to say, I just wanted to throw my hat down to you. Just for being, because you seem uh, uh, super strong as a human being, and it's uh, it's amazing to hear that you have accomplished what you have and been able to go through what you've gone through, and 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 all that. So, I just want to share that
1: with you, dude. As far as what I found, this is and people never believe me when I tell them this. Like, if you want to, like, okay more often than not even than when i first started trying to work at brands right i would call and be like hey do you guys need a florida rep and they'd be like you're a rep in florida do you have accounts so i'm like yeah i got about 60 and they're like you're hired <laughs> and i could just be and you're just like yeah, my name's chris no like, i don't care who the fuck you are you're a rep in florida that has accounts right. and it was more like even when i like once you kind of even when you didn't when I, fir- I remember the first label I reached out to was Fearless and Smart Punk. Okay. And they were like, well, you want a street team for us? I'm like, sure, send me shit. Wow. So I did. And then I started putting on shows, and I just started getting to know them. And
2: right. then I
1: got to know that like, like I got to where I could call the manager and do stuff with my sunglass company. or like I was the only, other than Volcom Entertainment, I was the only surf skate rep that worked with music. Oh, wow. I'm the only one. And I was the only guy on the East Coast, yeah, for years. I was the only guy selling skimboards. Damn. I was the only rep that sold skimboards for probably five, six years. Zap Mm -hmm. didn't have a rep. Exile didn't. Well, Zap did everything in-house. Right. Exile didn't have a rep, and there wasn't anybody else.
2: Yeah.
1: And so there was uh, Jason Wilson's dad was the rep for Zap for like in the 80s or some shit, early 90s, but he stopped doing it. For, like, literally 10 years, I was the only guy on the East Coast, other than calling the factory, that worked with skimboarding. And I had this gap in the industry. And, like, skim outsold surf and skate two to one. I was the only fucking guy selling skimboards. I was wiping up. It was great. You know? Yeah. So I built this base of working with these shops. And I could be like, hey, dude, if I send you some music, will you play it?
2: Right.
1: They'd be like, sure. You know? And so I started... And likewise, like, when I was at the shows, Volcom Entertainment, I'd always, I'd go sit by Gardner, and I'd be like, right. Mark, and he'd be like, leave me the, f- leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> right. But I got to know him, I got to know him, Gar- Gardner, and Daniel, Ter- like, Daniel's the Volcom rep now for Florida, right. and he's a smart motherfucker, you know, so, like, these are the dudes I look to when I'm yeah. like, yo, dude, I'm doing something, you know, you Do I don't know, and go fucking shred or something, and... They're like, I don't know, fuck you. Okay, kinda. Yeah, yeah. I guess so.
2: <laughs> right. And it's
1: just like hitting your friend it's like hitting your friends up to go do shit instead of like, well, let me tell you yeah, right. what I've got going on. Yeah. That and that tireless self promotion shit gets old yes. fast. So I think that was another thing I learned that you don't need a manager till you need a manager. You don't need a booking agent till you need a booking agent. Yeah. You don't need a rep till you need a rep. Yeah. And if I'm your rep, that means you have to hand me a book of business and I get paid for it. Right. Any manager any manager worth a shit is gonna plug a band into an established network and if right. the band can't work, well then why the fuck do you want a manager? Right. Because you think I'm just gonna create money for you? Right. That's not the way that works. Right. Now, if a manager or an agent sees somebody and they go, You, you are the next Jimmy Eight World. Right. You know?
0: I can't believe you just I said will, Jimmy I Eat World, that's will, funny.
1: Yeah, I will make this happen for you. Right. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Atkins, dude, we have fucking kisses and shit on him on the fucking wearout. Like, he's the American dream. Yeah. I mean, the kid, the dude that works with me, Ryan, every time the songs come on, we're just like, look, dude, it's it's the American dream.
2: Yeah.
1: 15, it's like 21 seconds of music changed his life. Yeah. And to be painfully honest, he hasn't had another one since. Yeah, but he's managed. He's got a house and kids and a wife, and he's got his podcast. It's uh pass through Fra- pass through frequencies. Yeah. Is what his is. Yep. So I watch all his stuff. Yeah. I watch uh beard. I watch Beards Riffs and Gear and Jared Dines. The yeah. kids are funny. Um, <clears throat> I watch Lex Friedman. As silly as that is.
0: Oh, I like Lex. Fre- Fre- I like I like Lex Friedman a lot
1: yeah he's yeah. a smart guy
0: very very plays, I, I like you know, i just so. like he's i just like the, the point that he thinks <laughs> you know
1: you know he's trying dude yeah so, i don't know dude i'd give it up to anybody that will honestly try yeah i don't care if you slam right. i don't care if you slam hard yeah you know like fuck like i'm not saying what i'm doing drag but yeah i'm just gonna try
0: Hey, man, I I, I just I just do a small podcast that gets lucky enough to talk to my heroes, you know, like that's I mean, you know what I mean? Like and I just started this on a whim, you know, and I've been doing this for six years now. So it's like I have almost close to 400 episodes, you know,
1: Vinny Vinny lives in your neighborhood Go over and talk to him.
0: I hit him up. I never get a hit back.
1: <laughs> I talk to him every once in a while. Yeah. I'll see what he says. Yeah. Just. I'm, I've, I have talked to Vinny about my idea and he thinks it's a very good idea. Oh,
0: that's. See, Vinny would know. So like, like <laughs> see,
1: That's what I mean. Like I go to like I'm trying to go to dudes. Yeah. And they part half the time they listen to me and they're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. You need to get your shit together. Like Teta from Big like Tom Tom from Big Wig and I've managed to stay friends over the last ten years. Right. And I ran the shit by him and he was like, You sound like you're just on fucking acid or something. And he's like, I don't understand one thing you're fucking saying right. and get your shit together before you talk to fucking He said, You you pitch this to Kevin? Right. You're a fucking idiot. That's awesome. And I'm like, Fuck <laughs> He's like, No, dude, I got love for you. Don't worry, just like get your shit together though. Just and get it's just your like Man No, dude, but it's like that's the thing. Like yeah. we all Have checkpoints for each other. Like, I would rather have Tommy set me straight and be like, Yeah, dude, you sound like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Because we're friends. Yeah. Like, I would tell him that. Like, I would be like, Tom, dude, that's a really bad idea. Yeah, yeah. I I think you're going to go to jail. You're going to go to jail for
2: this.
1: (laughs) And, you know, so it's, I, but that's like, it's all part of the process.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, it's all part of experimenting and, if you, if you, dude, who the fuck gets it on their first run through?
0: Right. You're right. So, no one. You know? Not a, not near you know, one been, of us. <laughs>
1: we've been battling. It's how crazy as it sounds. We've been battling over one guitar track. One guitar track.
0: That's funny. For like three days. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, like, who the fuck does that? At some right. point, you're like, okay, guys, I, one of these has got to be good enough. And yes. then we're still like, it's just a... Do it again <laughs> You know And the dude's just like
0: 300 more And you'll be Yeah fine. he's
1: like I'm gonna kill you guys Fuck you guys Right You know Yeah But it When you go back And like When I When you talk to like, So back to Peta Yeah Bigwig is Bigwig Because they have Three rad fucking records Right Maybe four I forget if it's Every one of them Came from a real studio yeah. With a real engineer Tom fucking Tried you know what I mean? Like yeah. he gets a lot of heat in the industry for being whatever he is, and so be it. But he also, because of what he is, he put out three fucking rad records.
2: Yeah.
1: Like like in my eyes, really good fucking records yeah. that hold up to about anything else in the genre. Yeah. So you can talk you can talk shit then. Yeah. At least in that genre. Yeah. When you have built a record that stands up next to and better than many of your so-called rivals. right? Or not rivals, uh, I shouldn't say that, peers. Peers, yeah. Or not rivals. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> but it the, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So he should be allowed to be like, yeah, that fucking sucks. And yeah. you should have to try harder. Yeah, totally. You know, because I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's the difference. Like, like your friend George, he is a good fucking drummer. And he's not good for Sarasota. He's not just kind of good for a punk band. That motherfucker's a professional drummer.
0: Yeah, and he thinks he you know? sucks. That's the best part. <laughs> so, but that you
1: get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's crazy.
0: Like,
1: like a, a guy like that has earned his. Like, dude, I'm no drummer, and yeah. I know. But I'm in the industry, and I yeah. know who he is. Yeah, and I, I'm just like, damn, he, hats off. You know?
0: I mean, he's like, he to me, he's. He's he is I mean, as much as I listen to music and, and you know I know you're the same you know, like for any type of band that he plays in, his drumming abilities he 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 doesn't try his hardest all the time. No dude, he's the real thing. He's the real There's fucking weird thing about like their- Like he's so, it's sick how good he is. I mean, like I met his grandmother and she told me when we were on tour one time up in Connecticut, I think it's Connecticut where his family's from. It's a Portuguese, his family's Portuguese. And, and, uh, she said he used to lay, sit on the kitchen floor when he was like one and play pots and pans with wooden spoons, like on time, like, that's how we started, <laughs> like.
1: Yeah. So,
0: meant to be. It's man. always
1: been hats off to those guys. Yeah. To me, they're the they're always been. I know they're a Gainesville band, but to me, they're from here. Yeah. And. Um, to me they're the best thing that ever came out of here. Yeah. People are like, The Almond brothers I'm like, fuck, dude. I'll <laughs> no. water <music> is fucking. <laughs> no. Ten times the band no. fucking <laughs> So my, my girlfriend my girlfriend is kind of a professional musician and her drummer used to play with Dickie and the Almonds and those guys. Oh no shit. And I, I just am always like like we kinda go at each other a little bit That's funny. over the two yeah the scenes, you know. Yeah. Because they're really, 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 really fucking good. Yeah. but then like you see the the cream of the crop, I guess from our generation, and they're just a whole nother fucking breed. Like it's it's different. I was watching. I was watching. You know, you know Brooks Wackerman is. He's playing in Avenged Sevenfold now.
2: Okay, but yes.
1: he's a drummer. Jesus fucking Christ! And you watch him, and you're like, yeah, dude. Like that's there's a handful of guys out there. Yeah, and there's probably 20, 20 to fifty of them that are just the Stuart Copelands. Yep. Stuart Copeland's from Sarasota.
2: Jeez. You know?
1: Ian was from Sarasota. Like, George is from Sarasota. Yeah. There's these handfuls of, like, fucking renowned drummers. That's crazy. That came out of here.
2: Yeah.
1: It's crazy. But there's, Ringling turned out some really cool kids.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know. I always had respect for what the hot water, and, and with, when Rolling Stone started putting them on the map and saying things, you're just like, whoa.
2: Yeah.
1: Then they became the headline, and then it was like you'd read shit like taking Fugazi's place and Chuck's the next Johnny Cash, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> right. like
2: it's dude, weird. Dude,
1: they're leaving a mark. Yeah, dude, these they're leaving a mark on the world. They're not just like and this they did me say. And it. the
0: funniest part is, is you they know? they don't even realize it. <laughs> they
1: they, I, they really you know what, don't. Dude? I hope.
0: <laughs> I
1: think. In a way, I hope – dude, I hope they get to enjoy it for a few minutes then. you yeah. know, Because it's kind of like when I went to Limbert, I'm like, I, dude, I don't know if you know this, dude, but like you may you, – your art direction, the way you built those records was like – for me it was a game changer. But like the scene changed. Yeah. Like you had your hands in on something that like changed the shape of the scene. It was only one of the turns, but you were one of the dudes – like that's why I want you dude. that's like why I want you on board cuz like like you understood back then what I'm trying to achieve now and like that's the kind of dude I want working with us like you know somebody that actually took a risk and did something different yeah cuz people didn't know what the fuck the, but hipster kids went when designs for automation came out Yeah. that was like I saw a warp tour zero like a 2000 I don't know how I saw it, but I saw it, like, three days ago. And it was Mighty, Mighty, Green Day, Mighty, Mighty Boston, Snapcase. Oh, wow. And then, like, AFI. Uh, Dude, I was just like, wow. (laughs) That's really how fucking big they – like, Quicksand was big then.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, Helmet was big. Yeah. They were right there with those dudes.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Like, they weren't – they went from being a victory hardcore band to, like, being – like, the coolest thing on the planet.
0: And then, like, it just stopped. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah. But I was a big fan. Yeah, those guys were fucking badass. I actually saw... So I still go back. I think I saw Snapcase with... Was it Shelter at at the Blue Chair in Tampa? I think... What year was that? Dude, like... And I saw Snapcase when they played the... The Fest here in Gainesville two years ago, they came back and played, which was kind of nuts to see them. Like, it it was, yeah. Snapcase, when they came out, that shit was, there's a bunch of bands like that, that, you know, like, from that time period that I still want to interview, that I'm just like, just kind of popped out to me that really kind of stuck out. And really, uh, I can't forget, you know, like, it's one of those, ki- it's those things, like, God, I want to talk to those dudes so bad. <laughs> so, but no, it's... Uh, yeah.
1: I found that if you just reach out and show genuine interest, yeah, most of the times they'll talk to you. Yeah. And if they don't, fuck them. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, it was, it's kind of like what you learned, what I learned going to shops. Yeah, like a lot of times I was carrying really legit brands, and they didn't know what it was. Like when we were doing Red Dragons right? Like Red Dragons was with Danny, Colin McKay, Moses, Fluggo. It was it was as fucking raw as it, and they didn't know what it was. Like I shouldn't have to convince you. Like I mean, and then they figure it out a couple of years later, and you're like, yeah, fuck you. My my friend Daniel does, he does Capita, Union Thirty Two, and he's the one that turned over Ashbury and Hal to me. I did Ashbury. Ashbury was a rad company, oh. but his whole thing was if I come and show you the line and you don't take it, I'm never fucking coming back to see you. Right. If you make me drive all this shit to your shop <laughs> and then don't buy, right. I am don't, don't call me next year. <laughs> right. You are not. And now because Capita is like Burton is probably the biggest brand, but Capita is definitely the coolest brand. I mean, they are by far the leader in the industry as far as cool guys, oh. snowboarding goes. So and now everybody wants it. And he's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> Broadwell's a man, dude. He right. got Transworld Rep of the Year one year. Oh, and it's because he's a hard ass. Yeah. Like, like, his team kids send in, like, photos of, like, naked chicks and shit. Just, like, he's, like, teaching them not to be a pussy.
0: Right.
1: You know, you have to turn in footage. You have to, like, go out and cause ruckus. You cannot sit home and be a pussy and play video games and ride for me. Right. That's not who rides for me, dude. We're like a crew. Like, go out and shred. Yeah. Send me footage. You send footage, I send boards.
0: There it is. You know? Yeah.
1: And that's like, the, you know, like the rad team managers, that's how they handle shit. Like, you don't get to fucking do nothing. Yeah. You know? We had a guy we were working for recently, and Ryan, my partner, the electric company guy, he told this guy, you cannot be fat and slow on my job. And I just looked at the floor, and I was like, fuck, dude we're gonna get sued
0: that's rough you
1: can't I, I, I like like dude you can't tell somebody they can't be fat and slow and he's yeah. just like yes I, yes and i'm like you know what you're right yeah you cannot be fat you, you just cannot be fat and slow on my job
2: that's awesome and
1: it was dude, it was heartbreaking but like it,
2: it's that's but
1: rough. it's true dude it's like you know we invite people to come to the studio all the time just to come hang out, Yeah, and, like, they don't come, or, dude, I don't get it, and he's, like, dude, they, they think they're coming to, like, skate a vert ramp with you.
2: Right.
1: Like, it's like you saying, hey, let's go skate. They think they're going to, like, ride around on a tennis court, and they show up, you know, <laughs> at, like, a 12-foot pool. Right. And, like, it's intimidating. So, yeah. like, people don't want to come shred with us because fucking they're scared. Yeah. You know, they think that they're going to be, like, oh, You know? <laughs> so you just kind of got to take that into account, you know, yeah. like not dude even at 50, like I guess we're still like trying to get gnarly.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and most people don't know what to make of that. Yeah. They really do not know what the fuck to make of it that I still have a trampoline. Yeah. Like we I... we jump with a, a trampoline with a board with no <laughs> Nice. And just do flip tricks nice. for fucking hours. <laughs> That's awesome. You know? But I'm 50 years old, and I've got a pretty good three-flip. Yeah. You know, I've got a good burial flip. As long as you, you know keep, what I'm saying? Like, as
0: long as you keep it tight. <laughs>
1: yeah, dude. And it's like, so there's just not too many guys our age, I guess, that still have, or that put any um, weight yeah. in that, like, staying proper that way. No, it's true. It really means nothing in the big picture. You no, know? it
0: doesn't. But, I mean... The- this I mean I think for me it's about history more than it, you know like correct this is this is I I am I am creating a format of history of the past 6 years of all these interviews of people and their history you know like that's what that's what I'm doing I'm building a library of like history of music and art that's what I'm doing so I mean that's this ah, is dude. this is my this is my baby, this is my shit, this is 100% DIY, uh, me and my broke ass, <laughs> you know, like...
1: No, and don't listen to any bullshit about, oh, well, you should
0: do this. No, you no, not at this. all. No, like, I got you, man. It's like, fucker, everybody get your own at their shit own shit together. Own speed. Yeah.
1: Like, you know, when you can get your own shit together and even try to suck, yeah. then have your conversation with them. Yeah, man. You know, when you're sucking, then, then at least you have the ability...
0: To talk shit to me, yeah, right. You know,
1: because at least you're standing on the field. Yeah. you don't get to sit in the stands. No. And scream
0: suck. No, I, I, I mean, that's like, not. that's why I do this, you know. And and I've been, and I've, ne- I haven't missed, I missed one Monday in six years. I post this show every wow. Monday. I've missed one time, no matter what. So it's like, this is my baby. This is my life. I have a YouTube channel, a live streaming show that I'm working on that I'm coming out with. Actually I got two I'm working on. So this is going to be actually growing bigger. I got I bought, bought some cameras, I got some editing stuff, got me a nice computer okay. and all this other shit. So I got some other stuff coming besides this. So But um
1: do you watch Darren? Do you watch Darren's show? Darren Pfeiffer?
0: Uh I've only caught it once. Luckily, okay. it just happened Darren's to be good- on my uh Darren- YouTube it came up and I was like, "Oh shit."
1: He used to play in Goldfinger. Yeah. He's a he's a good dude. He's actually I never realized how heavy the Goldfinger dudes are. Yeah. And then a couple of I got straightened out one time that like
2: <laughs> right.
1: like like those dudes are industry heavy. Yeah. Like those aren't those aren't punker kids. Yeah. Not for a second.
0: No, no. Like
1: like and I was like, Did they really do that well? He's like, Yeah, dude, they like did better than real like you thought real big fish like those were the dudes from what I understand. They were incredibly active behind right. the scenes yeah. and helped helped a lot of bands achieve major label success.
2: Yeah,
1: like they, they were the system for a while. So Darren's like knows everybody, and like I try and cheer him on, and I'll he's another sh- one that like I reach out to. I have to hit him up. I
0: have to you, hit him up see if he'd be yeah, interested in the
1: chat. You, you will find that uh, he's a wealth of information. I respect the shit out of him. You know yeah and then like okay so shout out to some bands have
0: yeah, you heard please. of the scandals from yes. New Jersey yep
1: so that's my boy Polly.
0: nice
1: so he's a guy he worked he's a he's a snowboard rap okay and runs his band they're a Red Bull they're a Red Bull band and you know that's watch out for them you know okay. because when the world comes back they're just a real band yeah. there's not too many of them left I yeah. guess like are you watching the under oath stuff
0: right
1: have you been watching the Under Oath stuff that's been coming out? No, I haven't. Okay. It's called The Observatory. So their manager is a guy named Randy Nichols. Okay. And it's another dude that I, I reach out. He manages, uh, he does Bayside, Under Oath.
2: Okay.
1: Everything Aaron Gillespie. And Matt from the Starting Line worked with him for a long time. Okay. And Starting, lo- starting Line just got a gold record in the mail oh, because shit. they worked the fuck out of their band. Those Man. guys are also good at what they do. And that's what you realize. Especially like right the dudes that had success, like Damn. Like they really gave a shit and they really worked their bands. So anyway, like under oath is but they did this uh it's called the observatory.
0: Okay.
1: And it was a bit it's they're rad to watch. The point is they went and built this thing out. Yeah. And like really fucking, They really tried. Like, I don't know. It's it's I'm not the hugest under oath fan but I yeah. have a ton of respect for what they're doing right now right right and then you like you look at like you look at like what the management camps are doing to try and stay afloat yeah. you're seeing all this save our stages and like yeah. dude everybody if you're if you're managers are just like dude I don't even know what the fuck to do
2: yeah you
1: know like can't tour merch is fucking like so yeah. that was where the conversation of came up well if you can't tour and you can't you know, all you have is merch yep. live stream is getting dead. Yeah. Um, pod web, it's all for collectible. Like if you're not an AFI fan, like AFI is not getting a ton of traction right now beyond what they're doing. Right. You know, like they still have to stay active. Like they still have to go do like fucking rig review. and You know, they still have to go do interviews all the time and anything they can to try and impress their band. Right. If they're trying to monetize their existence.
2: Right.
1: So, the managers are all sitting there. They're used to manage something like God. Fuck Leonard Skinner.
2: Right.
1: You know? Leonard Skinner is a large outfit and it makes a bunch of money. So when you're making seven to ten percent on that kind of a, a book, you're fucking wiping up. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: Imagine if you're getting paid every time Freebird plays. Jesus. So yeah. that's an interesting job to have. Yeah. And so the old school managed, yeah, the old guard that managed these bands, you know, the Disturbed and Stains and fucking Nickelbacks, and, you know, if they just plugged in a, a group of new acts. Okay, when San Diego blew up, it was when DeVoe Devo was working for a guy named Bill Silva. And Bill Silva was a Rat Pack guy, and he did, like, fucking Frank Sinatra and Bette Midler and all that kind of shit. And when, they, when everybody stopped playing, he was like, my business sucks. I better hire some new fucking blood. So here comes little Rick DeVoe and Taylor Steele, the guy that did all the movies. And that's where the birth of all that came from. Rick was a local San Diego dude that had his hands in on five or six rad bands. And this dude just plugged them into the world. Just like, here you go, just open the door. Blink could have been any fucking band but they had stellar fucking management and they got the opportunity to go work for 25 years straight. So, you know, if these old school managers would just plug new talent into the existing framework, right? You would have a new breed. Yeah. So the argument now becomes, well, we don't need the labels anymore. We don't need this shit. Well, in a way you do, because the majors still have, this was explained to me the other day, the majors Still have their hands deep in the pockets of every avenue of media. Wow. So you, in, in essence, you can get around them on one aspect, like right. your contract, but you're not you're not getting them around them when it comes to them owning a share of Netflix or owning a share of Amazon. Right. You're not getting away from that. So no matter what, just, if you're plugged into the system, you still have a better shot at success than if you're not. Right. Yes, there are indie acts that punch through. We're also 40 in our 50s. I'm yeah. not interested in 19-year-old emo rap. Right. So, <laughs> when I look at a band that's... Well, I'm just saying. Like, yeah. we really look more to bands like Rise Against or even Foo Fighters, for God's yeah. sake, right. of somebody that is leading a successful model. You, yeah. know, you know, Rise Against is kind of the, the golden child yeah, you know, went from fat wreck to major radio success they're all nice guys that you know they work for real people they are real people yeah. they're you know whether you like them as people or not it's whatever they've done a real good job of running their band
0: No, totally.
1: and so you know when you start to look at what the new model could be you know I just think that it comes down to viewership, not audioship. You're not—it's video killed the radio star once again. Yeah, we're seeing the cycle.
0: Somebody said that and to me last week or a couple weeks ago. They made that same comment. We're all
1: saying the same shit, dude. It's Everybody like, that's watching—it's
0: super it's, cyclical. We're
1: all saying the same shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's really nuts. Um, like we're we're like we're being thrown back to square one almost again to like. As the individual to come up with a way to su- not survive, but to, uh, flourish in a time where they've taken the ability away.
1: Well, you've got to know it's the same shit I deal with in the surf industry. So I've got this project going where I'm, okay. So years and years ago, skateboards had tiny noses and big tails. And then somebody figured out if you put a big nose and the tail was smaller, you could ride it both directions, everything went switch. Kind of opened up what you could do. Same with snowboards. Snowboards went one direction. Then somebody figured out you could put them twin tip. Everything went switch. You know, everything kind of evolved. Surfing, water sports are surfing is still a directional activity. Right. The only kids that have figured out the skim kids skimboarders figured out how to ride switch. But because the surf industry thinks that the skim kids are a bunch of fags, they equate it with rollerblading and shit and fucking bodyboarding. They don't look at it like skateboarding. Yeah, they don't look at it as skateboarding at the beach. The surf industry looks at it like, oh, fucking kooks. So they've never taken time. Dude, I'm just telling you, there's three or four factories in the country that have the ability to make this board and they're not making it. So I'm going to make it. And I'm really – the guy that owns – okay, if you own a skate shop – Anywhere in the continental U.S., you are buying boards from Reggie Barnes. So he owns Eastern Skate Supply, Ocean Avenue, right. Southern. He just, he just bought out Ultimate up in Canada. So if you're Baker, Reggie buys fucking 50% of Baker's fucking board runs.
2: No shit.
1: Same with toy machines. Same with Oh, yeah. He's good, he bought out every distributor in the country. So Reggie bought thousands of boards a year, skim boards for me. He financed my third skate, second, third skateboard company. He financed it for three, four years. Damn. He would print, send me the, he would print, hold the inventory and just send me checks. All I did was turn in art. So I can go, I've I already got my deal set. I have distributor, like, I mean, I know how, I already know how to build it. Like, this is brave talk. I think that I know how to build a board
2: <laughs> there you that
1: go. changes the. I, I think that I know how to build the board that changes the face of right. recreational surfing. There you go. And I've i I pitched it. I've pitched it a few times. And then I was talking to Reggie about it the other day, and he's like, "Why has nobody done this?" I'm like, "I don't know. Right. Why do you and Kevin Lyman not know each other?" It's, pro- it's probably like, like
0: it's probably so, it's probably along the lines of keep it simple, stupid. Like you came up with a simple. Idea just by watching the other stuff, and you're like, "Why wouldn't it work here too?"
1: Dude, once again, it, skateboarders keep changing the planet every fucking way around. Like skateboard—I hate to say it—but like skateboarders changed skiing. Skateboarders changed skateboarding, yep. and skateboarders are going to change the face of surfing. Yeah. Skateboarders changed the way everybody looked at music. Yeah, the influence that skate rock has had on our modern youth culture the influence that guys like Chuck had on what we'll call post-punk, yeah. you're talking about fucking, you can go to Europe and say the Florida weirdbeards and they know what you're talking about. <laughs> we're not talking about like, we're yeah. not talking about like a tiny little scene between no, me and you and like it's our, not. Four, our 40 friends.
2: I know, right? That's
1: the thing. It's like, we can reminisce about, like, oh, my bros, and, yeah, we played with that band, and there were, like, 40 people there, and, you know, we're talking about dudes that went out and, like, changed the shape, the Rodney Mullins of the fucking world, Yeah, you know? Those guys played in front
0: so, kind of 200,000-plus people in Europe, you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's,
1: a uh, yeah, dude, that, so... I've got that project going. So the idea of our project has always been to build a brand slash releasing platform right that really anybody that we can do with all of our friends so that it's bigger than us. Right. Like how, like, so, okay. So the reality of it is I work so fucking hard making this song. So what are you going to take a picture of? Really? Are we going to film ourselves
2: right. standing
1: in a room playing a fucking song? Right. Really? How fucking, how lame is that? <laughs> Seriously, nobody gives a shit. And then you want to do this nine more times? Yeah. Oh, we'll just do nine music videos. Really? Like, anybody gives a shit. So, and the problem is, this is, and it's lame to say that, dude, because, like, I, I'm not dissing everybody's work. What I'm saying is, is that try something different. Yeah. Okay, Hatchets for Hands. Uh, Cullen, who was working at he worked at skate park forever, and moved out. He's in San Francisco. But what really inspired me to do our thing was Cullen has a band called Hatchets for Hands. You should look it up. And he's not getting any fucking press. It's amazing, and nobody's watching it. Right. But they hired a horror director. They couldn't afford anything big. Right. So they hired like a legit horror guy, or they found a legit horror guy and shot like a minute of footage and stretched it. So basically it's these two dudes sitting in a car, chasing a guy down this long, they're in the woods, chasing a guy covered in blood, running down the road, but it's in super slow motion. So it's basically like the soundtrack to this guy running for his fucking life. And you're feeling it like tenth of a second by tenth of a second. And it's gnarly speed metal. Like it's very well done. They're yeah. really good at what they do. Like like Elliot Sloan
0: has a fucking two piece speed metal band. No oh, amazing. I like, so, like I, I, one of my favorite bands right now. They've been around for a while, but it's a two piece band from England, Royal Bloods. Like it's a bass oh, no. bass and drummer, and it's uh <laughs> There's something about them. They're catchy as shit, but their riffs are fucking. And the drumming is sick as shit. And I showed it to George the other night. He'd never seen him before, but he was like, damn, that's pretty fucking awesome. Like, just a bass player and a drummer. Like, they, and they're from England. So it's like, they have this pop sense, but they're fucking heavy as shit. It's crazy. They're fucking, I love bands like that that do shit like that.
1: Yeah, this is just, like, your full-on metal machine grind speed shit. Oh, wow. But he worked at Vans for a long time. He's got a good... And the thing is, like, that's the thing. Like, I've... I have to face dudes like Colin and show them what I did.
2: Right.
1: And, like, when he showed me what he did, I was <laughs> like, that's fucking rad, dude. That <laughs> right. is fucking rad. <laughs> you know? And, like, it's worth talking about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And when I if, when I show him my thing, I want him to be like, "That's fucking rad, dude! Yeah, you guys did that." And I'm like, yeah. So like, like he just him and his boy came up with that, and it's really worth watching. Yeah. You know, Craig's brothers. I've seen. Have you seen the new Craig's brother? No. Have you seen the new Craig's brother. Man, one? I work so dude, much. It's called May-
0: I don't have. I don't. I come home. I'm so fucking beat. <laughs> I try so hard to like listen okay. to so much stuff. So, on SoundCloud because I'm I cry, on Reverb Nation and all this shit. So I've been interviewing bands dude, off the of SoundCloud and stuff. So
1: I cry every time I watch it. Damn, it's called Malin's. It's called Maylin's song. Okay, and it's Craig's brother and Kyle Black did it. Like Kyle Black does, like All American Rejects and yeah. 41 and stuff. Yeah, and he's like, and like he's bros with Ted and like is like. Ted, I really like your music. Can I do a video for you? And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. So, like, like I've got – dude, watch it. And that's, like, really good work. Yeah. And it's got, like, 15,000 views. Oh, shit. It's disgusting that nobody is – it's, it's – nobody is seeing it. But see, and that's the thing. The point like, of these, like,
0: these are the type of people I'm trying to come across and meet and interview – Like this is why I'm doing this. It's not just like old music, it's new music. It's like what people are doing now. It's what you know, like what your friends are doing, what my friends are doing. Like this is this is all this is very important to me. So it's like it's really something that I'm stoked that you're sharing these these bands with me and and taking the time to do it, man. It's fucking it's awesome.
1: Oh I mean they're they're a rad band that is worth checking out yeah so i'm actually like like i've done i be careful when i say i've helped them with management kind of stuff a couple times over the years right and i'm doing some stuff with them now and so like we're in pretty constant communication and he's working on my new thing with me and um but yesterday's okay yesterday's b bands are today's a band yeah and the aerosmiths of the world you know, we're going to find, whether you know it or not, that, well, Offspring is already a major fucking band. But the Bad Religions and even the No Effects, not No Effects, fuck those guys at this point. Um, <laughs> the 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 lag wagons, the lag wagons <laughs> of the world. How about Tilt Will? Are really, the Millen Collins and the Lag Wagons yeah. and the Hot Water Music are, are the, dude, they're the cool kids. Yeah. They're, we all know who the good bands are. Right. Like, like, really? Like, we, like, we're standing around going, Creed is such a good fucking band. Yeah. I love when he does that. Dude, nobody does that. Yeah. And if you do, I feel bad for you. Yeah. You know, like. That like, must have been the I worst
0: did, show you I, ever went to. Oh,
1: damn. So, it's, and so, I kind of learned that it is. It's the long game. When you see a band like the Bouncing Souls, it's been around, back back to George, 30 yeah. they're thirty years now. Like yeah. 25, 30 Crazy. years.
0: Yeah, easily. Dude,
1: Think of, like, their fan base is all over the place. Yeah. You know? A band like that can go play in 15 countries. Yeah. Those are the fucking rock stars of yeah. today, man.
0: it's crazy. And all
1: it takes is once, you know, I guess when Warp was happening, it was a really good platform for these fans to get seen. And now everybody has to go out as an independent headline. And there just aren't that many people that can sell out stadiums. Right. So, if it, they're... Yes, they're still the A-breed. I don't know that Stadium Rock is going to come back. Eh, You know, like...
0: Not for a while.
1: (laughs) But even when, like, I... Okay, so the listener base of people that go to shows that used to go to Stadium Rock are getting older.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. They
1: just don't
0: go. Yeah, the the crowd is getting smaller. You are correct.
1: Yeah, dude. The venues are just getting smaller. It's yeah. harder and harder for these agents to make it work, and like for the, you know, to truly do the rock star shit. Yeah. You know, the ACDCs are few and far between.
2: Yep,
0: you're very, you're well, very, very right. You know,
1: so there's the the breed, the wave of bands that is there. You know, are say B bands to Blink. Yeah, you know the. Like, that's why some 41 can come back. Right. You know? It, they just have a history. They're a franchise. Yeah. And that's what I argue with a lot of these bands I talk to. It's like, look, dude, if you have a franchise, you should be taking advantage of it. Because all these new acts coming onto the scene do not have what you have. They and don't now, have a four-record franchise.
0: If I thought, I mean, I no bullshit. I think at the drive-in, if they decided to get back together and write a really good fucking album, they could do it right now. Most definitely. Well, sure. Like, they could kill it if they wanted to. You know, like, they've killed it Uh, practically in everything that they've ever fucking done. Like, how could they not? You know, like, and, and a lot of bands that, are like, broke up and started new bands, like Sparta and all these other bands, like, and if Refused got back together, would they come up with another fucking killer album like they did? Like, you know, like... Would would refuse to come up with another great fucking anthem like they did, like like you. It's like I always think about that. Like these bands that kind of in and out, and then they can come back and do shit. But then there's like the bands that don't ever come back that you wish would.
1: You, you got <laughs> to go lock yourself in a warehouse for a year trying yeah. to figure out how to change the
0: game, huh?
1: and that's what they did before. It's yeah. what they do again. Yeah. All right, bro. I've got to head out soon. Man, uh, got to get any, back. Uh, if you want but,
0: to, please uh, leave any social media information on the show that you would like to leave for the listener and anything else you would like to say before we end it.
1: Shit. What, what we're doing is secret. But I promise as soon as we have something that we can show, I will. Awesome. Everybody I talk to is like, you shouldn't be telling anybody about this.
0: I ain't saying shit. So
1: we've shown art. We've, <laughs> we've shown artwork. We've shown... We have, like, a deck that has, like, the icons and, like, our concepts. And, you know, like, our we've started laying out scripting and, you know, all of the, basically the storyboards. But,
2: like,
1: it's all just work. Yep. You know, it really is the platform and the format that we've really been focusing on. And as silly as that sounds, before, before I go... The bands that always made a difference had a better delivery. Everybody right. plays the same chords, we all play the same instruments. Yep. But even like back to black flag, it was the delivery that shook everybody up. Yep. We'll go to hot water. Yep. Their delivery was much different yep. than what people were used to or knew how to digest.
2: Yep.
1: You know, and so it just seems that really good rock bands have a different snap case, have a different form of delivery that kinda of defies what people thought you right. were going to do. Yeah. So I don't know that I'm capable of doing something like that, but I know that that's the game. Yeah. That's what you're trying to do. Yeah. So I guess I leave you with that one. Awesome. That's what I hope everybody gets inspired to do is to prove me fucking wrong.
0: I hope so, man. Chris it's
1: you know, uh, like do it, like do it first.
0: Yeah, man. It's been amazing talking to you again. Uh, next time I'm in Sarasota uh i'll throw you a text if we can hang i you know if you want to show me anything you can if you don't maybe we can just hang yeah. uh and, come by uh, the
1: workspace dude
0: yeah man i'd love come to by do the studio. that all right man thank you so much again you take care uh best to you and yours uh much much love and praise to you and the hard work that you do with your child And, 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 and keep on rocking the rock, man. Thank you so much. And, uh, you take care of yourself. I appreciate you taking any interest. I'll talk to you soon, homie. All right, Chris. Take care.